0: Support for starting small comes from Human Scale, the leading designer and manufacturer of high performance ergonomic products that help create a healthier work life. All of the products, from chairs to standing desk and more, are comfortable, easy to use, and sustainable, and great for either the office or the work from home environment. With an increase in shifting workplaces, comfort can be especially hard to find. As I run the podcast, I'm in front of my desk for hours a day from scheduling, researching, interviewing, and more. Human Scale allows me to remain productive. Without the consequence of body stress to follow, make sure to check out Human Scale at humanscale.com and use code Starting Small at checkout to save 20% off your purchase. That's code Starting Small at humanscale.com and enjoy the episode. In this episode, I'm joined by Mike Matthews, founder of Legion, the number one selling brand of all natural sports supplements. Mike started Muscle for Life, where he wrote numerous best-selling books such as Bigger, Linger, Stronger, leading Mike's influence to have strong demand in the fitness and health space. Realizing the false marketing that was going on in the nutrition and supplement space, Mike went on to create Legion to solve this problem himself. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small. Today, I'm joined by Mike Matthews of Legion. Mike, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Of course. So I'd like to start out with your upbringing. So where did you grow up and what was your childhood like?
1: Uh, I grew up, so let's see. So I was born in Florida uh, in a little beach town called Clearwater. Then we moved to Los Angeles. I forget where in Los Angeles, but somewhere in LA. Um, it started with a W I don't know. And, uh, and we were there until I was like six or seven and then back to Florida, uh, to, to Clearwater, which is like in the Tampa Bay area. And then I was there until, um, let's see, when did I move to? I moved to Virginia five years ago. So yeah, there until until my early 30s, went to Northern Virginia outside of D.C. and lived there for five years. And then now I'm back to Florida, but I'm in Ocala, which is in the center of the state, mm. um, kind of horse country. I, I didn't, I don't really like Clearwater on the whole. Uh, Florida on the whole is kind of a is kind of a shithole, yeah. <laughs> uh, and 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 Clearwater has a nice beach, but otherwise it's pretty shitty. Mm. Um, and Ocala is very different. However, Ocala is pretty, and there are a lot of farms here, so it's a lot of space, a lot of green. Um, there's a little bit of undulation, and, and there are of course, no mountains, but it's not just a flat swamp like most of Florida, yeah. and um, aren't, there aren't too many people, and a lot of the people I've met are, are, are nice, and there's, there's a lot of money here, but it's low-key, yeah. which I like, so you have nice farms, and you have just kind of a nice uh, quality of life, but without the pretentiousness that uh, I experienced in the, in the beltway, for example. For sure.
0: So would you say that you had an entrepreneurial mindset growing up, say lemonade stands or Sony products?
1: Uh, yeah, It's a good question. So uh, yes, but uh, it's a, it's a yes and a no. Yes. So I, I was, I was ambivalent in that I knew at a, at a fairly young age I knew as a teenager, I, I wasn't cut out for, uh, corporate life that climbing the corporate ladder was not going to be for me it was just not going to suit my personality mm. uh, it, i'm just uh, too much of a of an independent minded person and too quote unquote unprofessional <laughs> <laughs> i 'm just i, I just don 't like playing that game yeah and and I, and, I, and, I, and now that i've you know i'm thirty seven now and and living in i would say probably one of the countries uh, one of the prime nexuses of that in the DC area only confirmed that that life is just not for me where uh, you have to be very careful with the image that you cultivate and how you present yourself and what you say and uh, see a lot of people they get into the habit of they, they have personas and uh, with many people I, I came to know socially in Northern Virginia I feel like I never got beyond that persona mm. and that's just not me. I don't, I don't like playing that game. So um, my dad also is is a successful entrepreneur. So of course that, uh, that influenced my inclinations and, and also encouraged me to want to try to figure out something because, Hey, he did it. And if he can do it, why can't, why can't I do it? And, and, and he didn't, uh, my parents didn't push me in one direction or another, uh, but if If I wanted to go in that direction, he would be supportive of that. If I wanted to um, do something more traditional, he would have been supportive of that as well. However, I wasn't I wasn't drawn to business per se. So when I was younger, the idea of just selling widgets for a profit, mm-hmm. Was very unappealing to me. Now that uh, I, I have more experience in business, I have a I have more appreciation of the art and the science of of business building, and um, that you can create organizations that may just sell widgets for a profit. However, you can you can make them about more than just that. Um, uh, thinking of Jim Collins, you know, good to great, built to last. Uh, if you want to, now some people. Are, are either driven mostly by, by money. And so, yeah, selling widgets at, at, a, at a high profit is just exciting to them because of the money that it makes. And a lot of those people are, in my experience, have been very enamored by a certain lifestyle. So they want, they want to live a high consumption, conspicuous lifestyle, and you need a lot of money to do that mm-hmm. and whatever. So that, that also wasn't me. I'm not a very money, money motivated person. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so at the time I was like, okay, I need to figure out something that I'm going to do on my own. Um, and, or, or maybe I could have seen myself joining a startup type of business where it is very entrepreneurial. There's a lot of uh, latitude for creativity and for trying things. Uh, what, what was very unappealing was being a cog in the machine to, to use a, a well-worn metaphor. Mm. Um, or, or 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 having a business again that served no purpose other than just making money. 100%. That also was just yeah, it was just unappealing to me. So I found my way to writing because um, it was really just kind of thinking about my personality, my interests. I I was a pretty good student um, in school and I always liked, I just like learning things and that's always been the case. And so I liked reading and um, I'm more systematic with my reading now than I was then. But then what I would do is I just would get a bug for something and then I would read a bunch uh, of books until I had gotten my fill of that. And then I would just move on to the next thing and move on to the next thing. And um, so I was like, eh, maybe I would enjoy writing. I like language. I like learning. Let's give it a go. And and my original interest was fiction. And so I wrote a novel, which uh, I didn't know what I was doing. I just kind of jumped into it and just when, when you're 18, your time isn't worth anything anyway. <laughs> so there's no opportunity cost. <laughs> yeah. So it's easy. It's easy to commit to a project like that sure. and and feel like I, what else am I going to do? Who cares? You know what yeah. I mean? Um, whereas now I have to weigh my time differently, but um, so, so I did that and I really enjoyed the process and, and then quickly realized that I didn't know what I was doing at all. So I produced something that was not very good by, by uh, anyone's standards. Uh, however, I was inspired to, to do more writing and to educate myself and make that my thing. All right, I'm gonna read you know, 30 books on writing and see what I can learn from all of that. Mm. And, um, and then from there, I found my way into creating employee training materials, which started in my dad's business because he didn't have much of a training department in his business. And, you know, speaking of Jim Collins' work, right, that's one of the common denominators in, in great companies is they put a lot of focus on developing their their um, employees. They're in that ranges, you know, from the um, the, the ploy in the people doing maybe more menial type of work all the way up to the executives. Mm-hmm. And so, so I, I, I worked on that and um, that that went quite well in terms of results. And then my dad ha- having had some success in, in business. He of course knew other people who had businesses and then they heard about what it, it did in his business and they would, Hey, uh, Mike, you want to come, you want to come do it in my business? Wow! And so that that turned into a bit of a, almost like a specialty kind of uh, publishing business. In the end, uh, after a few years, I was working mostly in the healthcare field, like doctors and physical therapists and dentists and creating um, standardized training materials Mm -hmm. for positions in those organizations that everybody has their own ways of going about things, but a good receptionist, um, is always going to do certain things certain ways, right? Yeah. And a, a good scheduler, there are best practices that you're going to want your scheduler to to, to implement. And so I was doing that. And um, and then in 2012, I, I wrote Bigger, Leaner, Stronger, mm. self-published that. And um, I'll stop talking here because you probably have some follow-up questions.
0: <laughs> no, no worries. Very interesting. So getting into writing, did you end up going uh, to school for that? Did you study it or did you go straight into... Uh, freelance work at the time.
1: Uh, just went straight into it. I didn't. Uh, I'm completely self-taught on wow. um, uh, un, un untutored, I guess you could say. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I've i thought about a formal education in writing. I would only do it out of pure self-interest. What what's in it for me? Basically, yeah. I mean, the, the piece of the piece of paper isn't worth anything at this point. Um, so it, it would be how can is that worth Uh, the time in terms of return on ability really is what it comes down to. And it's interesting to me, but probably not something that I will pursue anytime soon, just because the opportunity cost is too high. It's something I would enjoy, but um, the the time commitment would be fairly significant if I'm going to move through it. And so uh, also, I do plan on writing fiction in my next life. <laughs> um, I, I'll, I think I I will be in a place where I will want to give it time in probably the next one to three years, would be my guess, mm. because I have some pretty um, important strategic goals that I want to achieve, business-related goals. and. I look at fiction writing as a luxury. It's something that uh, will, I think I, I mean, I already know I did a bit of it previously and I enjoy, I really enjoy the creative component of it. Um, And, and yes, you can make a lot of money with, with it Uh, ironically. So I've sold about 2 million books, uh, fitness fitness books, right? Now, if, if I would have just stuck with fiction, I would have never, I would have never written bigger, leaner, stronger. Mm -hmm. And and if I would have, uh, achieved the same level of success, proportionately speaking to the size of the marketplace in fiction, that number would be 10 times that, mm. I mean, it would be, it would be 20 million books sold. And, um, as a self-published author, you make on average three to $4. If you just kind of average it across the different formats for every book sold. Mm-hmm. And, um, so it, it just, it, it would be amusing to think of it from a, from a, I, from a financial perspective, there are some self-published authors out there. There aren't many of course, but they're out there. There are, there are, there are men and women who are making, um, uh, I mean, I, I know of some ranging from, let's say five to 20, 15 million dollars a year in royalties and they just have they just write their stories and they have a few people who do a few things they have their go-to editors and they have their go-to cover people and they maybe have a few people who help with um some kind of business related tasks Uh, but you would never know you'd never you'd meet one of these people oh what do you do oh i I write uh, romance novels oh okay cool (laughs) and you, you don't realize that this person's making like hedge fund money um but but anyway, so so uh, I do plan on I do plan on on writing uh, fiction, but it, it will be something that, of course, I'll want to make money with it because that will mean that people are buying the books. Sure. But it, it it really the they beyond that. I really don't care what money will come from it, and so um, I, I don't want to give it time. I don't want to take away from things that, like Legion, for example, which is growing very quickly and which is. Um, is is coming together nicely in terms of a big financial upside to indulge my uh, kind of maybe creative whims, you know? Mm -hmm.
0: So back in 2012, uh, you built up an expertise around writing, uh, doing it in the healthcare industry specifically. So Bigger, Leaner, Stronger comes in uh, 2012. I was wondering overall, what was the inspiration to go into... Um, consulting with fitness, and where did this inspiration kind of spark from?
1: Yeah, so it was really um, scratching my own itch, and that's 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 how Legion came about as well. Mm-hmm. So that original first edition of Bigger, Leaner, Stronger was really just the book that I wished somebody would have just given me mm. back when I was 17 or 18. Yeah. And, and, I, and, I, and that's when I got into lifting weights, I bought some bodybuilding magazines, I recruited a friend or two, and we just started doing the workouts in the magazines, and then reading the little snippets here and there on diet and, and um, training and trying what we would read and a lot of it not really panning out. Mm-hmm. And I came to enjoy working out. And so uh, I I basically remained fairly ignorant for the first seven years, uh, and I had made okay progress for the first year or two, and then by year three or four, uh, progress in terms of muscle gain, strength gain had pretty much ground to a halt, and uh, my my physique didn't change in terms of looks or performance for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I I finally was like, eh, all right, I, I like doing this. This is a thing that I plan on doing indefinitely for the rest of my life. And if I'm going to give it the time, which I was very consistent with it, I would train five or six days a week, and I, I wouldn't miss workouts. Uh, rarely miss workouts. Uh, rarely skip workouts. But you know, sometimes vacations or whatever. Yeah. Um, so if I'm going to if I'm going to put the time and the effort into it, I might as well inform myself and see if I can get more. Uh, out of, out of this activity. And so that's when I started to quote unquote, take it seriously. And I stopped with the bodybuilding magazines and the random internet forums (laughs) and decided to, to look into the scientific literature and to look into, I guess what you could, you could just say is the evidence-based fitness space Mm -hmm. and, and learned uh, learned how to eat correctly learned about energy balance learned about macronutrient balance learned about flexible dieting things that I talk about uh, in my books and on my podcast and elsewhere and these are these are like the non-negotiables of quote-unquote eating well right so I learned oh, okay so this is this is how you lose fat if you want to lose fat. This is how calories play into that. This is how protein, carbs and fats play into that. Mm-hmm. And on the training side of things, okay. So what do you what do you need to do to gain muscle and to gain strength. Oh, so there's this thing called progressive overload. What's that? Oh, that ties into mechanical tension. How does that work? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. How do you accomplish that? Oh, so there are a few ways to achieve progressive overload in your training. And the most important one is adding weight to the bar or the dumbbells or the machines over time. The most important one is working to get stronger over time. Oh, okay. Interesting. I I, I thought that uh, you were supposed to do a bunch of high rep stuff and drop sets and supersets and Um, giant sets and all these, these quote unquote, sophisticated training techniques that I um, was focusing on previously. uh, And I was completely neglecting some of these fundamentals of um, volume and intensity and frequency. And so I, based on what I had learned, I, I put together a new style of eating and a new style of training, and it had pretty dramatic results uh, pretty quickly so mm-hmm. i lost i lost quite a bit of fat and i and i gained some muscle in places where i was lacking muscle and so this was i would say my my first big kind of tr- personal transformation where before and after is pretty striking um and and at the time a friend of mine he was like uh you should just take your shirt off and go on youtube and just <laughs> shill random shit right yeah. uh trinkets trinkets for profit and I was, I was like yeah no that's just not me uh, <laughs> but but I'll write a book. Simply because I'm interested in writing a book, I don't know if it's going to go anywhere. I thought when I published it, so I had no industry contacts. I had no following. I was just a dude who wrote a book and it was a very minimum viable product book. It was maybe 60 to 80,000 words. I want to say probably closer to 60, may have been even shorter. And there was very little sizzle. It was mostly steak. It was just like, hey, Here's what you're going to get out of this book. Here, here are some promises of benefits, and let's just get right to it. Here's what you need to know about diet. Here's how calories actually work. Here's how macronutrients work. Here's how flexible dieting works. Here's how to create a meal plan. Here are some troubleshooting tips, um, some obstacles you are going to run into, and what you can do about it. All right, training. Here are the fundamentals. that Lay it out. Here's a program you can just follow. If you don't want to even think with the the principles I've I've given you, if you'd rather just basically have me train you like, all right, Mike, just tell me what to do in the gym and I'll just go do it based on, you know, what I just learned. All right, here you go. Mm-hmm. Here's a year's worth of workouts. And in this year, if you're a dude and you're new to, to lifting, you can gain 15 to 20 pounds of muscle probably. And that's pretty significant if you just follow the, it's almost like paint by numbers. You don't even have to think, just do it this way. Yeah. And, um, and so I thought that there was like a 50-50 chance between it selling zero copies and not zero copies. I, I had no, but no expectations beyond that, right? Yeah. Um, and and by the end of 2012, though, it was selling several thousand copies per month. And I was getting a lot of emails, people reaching out, um, asking good questions, making good suggestions, pointing out errors, you know, things, sometimes it was typos, sometimes it was, oh, you messed up this mathing right here or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I saw an opportunity there to to continue iterating on that book which i have in fact i am toward the end of what is going to be the fourth edition of that book and i've so there have been this would be the 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 third major overhaul and along the way along the way there have been more um inconsequential changes but because it's a self-published book and for a while it was a print-on-demand book Mm -hmm. i i could do that i could just gather up a month's worth of edits basically based on my own ideas based on suggestions I was getting, and then just push them live, like just update the, uh, the digital files and there we go. From that point forward, everyone buying the book gets the, uh, the, the 2.1, uh, 2.2, 2.3. Yeah. And so, so I saw an opportunity to do that and to write other books. Like I had a lot of women buying Bigger, Leaner, Stronger, reaching out saying, hey, I don't wanna be bigger, um but the leaner and stronger is cool and although this book is obviously written for dudes the principles seem to be gender neutral like it seems to me that uh, energy balance applies to me just as much as joe bro and and of course they were right and so i saw an opportunity there Mm, i need to i need to take this book and and make one for for women and yes the fundamentals will be the same but all of the context will change all of the examples will change there are some female only things that i would like to talk about and the training is going to change and of course the sample meal plans are going to change so i felt like it it was it wasn't like a bait and switch. It's not the same book. It's the same book essentially, but uh, it is, it has been, so it's called thinner, leaner, stronger. It It has been tailored, tailored in every way I can to women. And it does make a significant difference for women. Uh, They will do better reading thinner, leaner, stronger versus bigger, leaner, stronger. They will understand things better. I will address some things that you simply don't talk about with guys. Like for example, many women are shy, uh, with, with, with weightlifting because they don't want to get bulky. Yeah. Well, that's, that's exactly what guys want. So you don't even have to talk about that with guys. Right. Yeah. Um, and so there are things like that. And so, so from there, I just kept on, uh, iterating on both of those books, did a cookbook and, uh, that that's still the work that I enjoy the most mm-hmm. is the is the 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 researching and the writing and so um, I, again like I said I'm wrapping up the fourth edition of Bigger, Leaner, Stronger and Thinner, Leaner, Stronger. I also have a book coming out with Simon and Schuster next year in January called Muscle for Life, and wow. that's particularly going to be for the middle-aged crowd. Mm-hmm. Let's 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 say forty plus, but even people in their thirties they start to have the same shift in mindset as I see in forty plus, and the same. Um, sometimes it's, it's problems. Sometimes it's just perceptions of problems. And, uh, so really you could probably say mid thirties and above, and it's also going to be my most, it's for men and women, and it's going to be my most newbie friendly book. Meaning that, um, the, the, the methods of, of meal planning and training are, are even, I would say Easier to implement and a bit less daunting and a bit less challenging than what you'll find in Bigger Than You're Stronger and Thinner Than Stronger. Which, um, I mean, I, I, many, many, many people at this point—it's tens of thousands of people—have read those books and followed those programs and gotten great results. So I wouldn't say that um, it, it, those books are inaccessible to to everyday people. Not at all. Mm-hmm. However, if if let's say you have a guy or a gal, let's say this this person's fifty five years old and they are very, very overweight. They're very out of shape. They've never picked up a, a barbell before. They've never done anything like this before. Maybe they did a little bit, you know, when they were 20. Yeah. I, yes, they, that person could read bigger, or stronger, thin, leaner, stronger, learn a lot and do well. But I, if I were training them one-on-one, I wouldn't start them with that program. The, the meal planning, possibly it would depend on where they're at. Are they ready to, um, to, to go all in and create a very specific plan and, and start weighing and measuring food. Not that you have to do that forever, but it's a good idea to to do it for a period. For sure. Um, that, that may be a bit much. And in the gym, I wouldn't necessarily tell them to start squatting and deadlifting heavy weight. I, I would work them up to that. So that's, that's where this Muscle for Life book comes in. It's gonna be the perfect on-ramp to the more advanced stuff, so to speak.
0: Amazing, so gaining such a influence so quickly, I was curious. This time period leading up to the Legion, what did this teach you? Uh, as more and more people demanded your aid around health consultations, and with bigger, or stronger, what did this time period teach you? As more and more people were uh, falling onto your advice.
1: Let's see. Um, One thing that immediately comes to mind is the power of one-to-one interactions. So something I've done since the beginning is I've put an email address in my books and encourage people to reach out to me if if they have any questions, suggestions, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I still spend time every day or sometimes it's every other day, uh, but it's still a, a high priority to get back to people to answer questions like that's that's really all i do on social media for example i spend that I, I i try not to spend much time on it but the time that i do spend is like 95 percent of it is just answering dms and answering replying to comments and that's it i'm not very, i'm not interested in seeing i'm just not interested in scrolling around i just yeah. don't care to put the time into it but it is worth uh, uh one-to-one interactions uh, it, it there's there's a lot of power in that uh, because of the goodwill so if you look at it from one it's personally fulfilling it's nice to hear from people who um, have liked something of mine and have a question it's nice to be able to help them and then hear back later uh, how well they're doing there's that's one of those things that just never gets old and I never get bored of that mm-hmm. it, there's always a, an emotional payoff and there aren't many things in life that are like that yeah. I mean how many things can you really go back to uh, again and again and again and derive joy from and not have any negative side effects? For sure. I mean, there's there's sex um, and social interactions yeah. with people you like. And uh, I don't know, there aren't many others probably. I mean, money, diminishing returns, uh, material things, diminishing returns. There's just not not a lot out there. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, so there's the personal element, but it's also, I think a very smart business decision because it it takes a lot of time and it is not necessarily fun. There are like, you know, a lot of emails that, um, you're going to get asked a question and I'm never going to hear from them again. And so there's no payoff there, obviously. Um, and, and it doesn't scale. And so many people are not willing to do it. And um, so, because I am that, right away, distinguished me from a lot of other people in the space who will not give you the time of day. You can DM them all you want; you are not going to get a reply um, unless there's really like something explicitly in it for them. Mm-hmm. And and that also allowed me to, um, to 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 stay switched on to not just what is going on in the fitness industry, uh, the the meta, so to speak, but but to even get ahead of that, because I'm, I'm dealing directly with people every single day, and I'm seeing the questions they're asking. So I'll learn about the, 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 you almost could say the memes not, not, not in the sense of, uh, of, of a funny image, yeah. but the ideas that the ideas that catch on in the fitness space, because I'll just see more and more people asking me about something that they were not asking much about you know a year ago and so that helped me though um, improve my existing books a lot I got a lot of really good questions and good suggestions from people it gave me ideas for other books Um, it it gave me the idea for Legion and it continues to, to pay dividends and that will always be the case and it will something it will be something that I will I will always keep in.
0: I hope you guys are enjoying this episode so far around Mike's entrepreneurial journey. I wanted to pause and say thank you to this episode's mid-break sponsor, Saramonic. Saramonic offers some of the highest quality headphones, audio, and all-around production equipment. I received a pair of their headphones, and wow, I'm using them right now, actually editing this episode. And if you're a podcaster, producer, or listening to music on the go, if you're commuting, I highly recommend Saramonic Audio. Make sure to check them out for yourself at SaramonicUSA.com and enjoy the rest of the episode. Leading up to Legion here, um, what was the turning point then and inspiration that led you to start your own supplement brand after doing so much in the writing space?
1: Uh, Lamborghinis, obviously. (laughs) Uh, Rollies and Lambos. No, no. Um, (laughs) No. And uh, it, it was it was really just scratching my my own itch again. So how that how that came about was at the time I had a website, Muscle for Life, uh, Muscleforlife.com, and it it was really a glorified blog. Uh, it has some some time ago I merged it into Legion's website, so I brought over all the content, three hundred one to everything, because it just didn't make sense to have these um, properties separate anymore. And I, I should have done that merger uh, even probably a couple of years prior to that would have been appropriate. But uh, yeah, whatever. And here we are. And so on that website, I had a a section called recommendations, which I actually do want to bring back over at Legion. And um, because because some people liked it, it was a section of the website where I recommended not just fitness related stuff. I mean, I would get asked about all kinds of stuff. What kind of books do I like? What movies do I like? What just clothing. Do I like what golf clubs? Cause I play golf. Do I play like, right. yeah. And so I would put stuff up there. Like, this is just stuff that I, that I like, I'm not getting paid by any of these companies. Um, if, if I was linking out to Amazon, then I was, it was a, an affiliate link, but that, that never made that much money. Uh, the point of doing that was more to see if people cared, mm-hmm. like were people, were they buying anything that based on my my endorsement. Yeah. And I saw that they were buying a lot of supplements. And I thought that was interesting because my endorsements were very lukewarm. Like I was saying, hey, here's the protein powder I use. I'm not very excited about it. Um, I used Optin Nutrition's naturally flavored and sweetened way. That's what I was using. Maybe it's not flavored. It was naturally sweetened. And I would say, hey, um, I use this because I trust Optimum Nutrition. Here are some independent third-party lab analyses that show consistently that when they say it's 20 pro- grams of protein per scoop, it's 20 grams per scoop. And you have other companies here that come in at 12, 15, even 10. Those are companies that I would not buy from because I don't trust them. So I trust Optimum Nutrition, mm-hmm. and and it's cheap because they dominate the whey protein game, nobody can get the prices. I mean, they own the farms. So you can't. Yeah. They're completely vertically integrated, and and so that's why I, I use this protein powder. But I'm warning you, it tastes like shit. So if you want something that tastes good, don't don't use this. It's just bad. Yeah. I just I just don't care. I mix it with some water, drink it, and move on with my day. Whatever. <laughs> um. And and so there were a couple of other supplements that I was using that again, I was not excited about, hey, here's the multivitamin, it's okay. I like that it has these couple of extra goodies in it. Not very exciting, blah, right? Mm. And, um, And people though were buying a lot of those supplements even with me not even really telling them to buy them. Like I've already explained to a lot of these people, supplements are completely supplementary by definition. You don't need any of this stuff. You can just eat good food and be done with it. But if you have the budget and inclination, eh, there are a few things you may wanna consider adding to your regimen because they can, um, in the case of protein powder, it just makes it easier to eat enough protein. It's very convenient. Mm. Uh, In the case of a multivitamin, it plugs any nutritional holes or gaps that may exist in your diet. And it is kind of hard to get adequate amounts of certain key nutrients, even if you eat well, like vitamin D and vitamin K and a few different minerals, Mm -hmm. unless you eat a fair amount of red meat. And so I think it's smart. Think of it as like an insurance policy of sorts. You're not going to, you're not going to probably notice much of any immediate benefits, but it's more of a long-term kind of investment in, in your health, so to speak. And, um, and so I was like, ah, well, okay. If I, if I look at these numbers, uh, why don't I, why don't I just make the products that I want that nobody is making. And if they were making, I would just go to them and say, Hey, um, here's what I have. Here are my things. And I like your products and I would like to promote them. What is, what am I worth to you? You know what I mean? And, and I would have done that, but, It didn't exist, so so I was like, I'll just do it myself because um, I I just don't see it as a. There's no way that I'm going to get stuck with product. Yeah, I'll I'll be able to sell everything, especially because the initial order was only eighty thousand dollars. So like there's just no way that I can't sell through $80,000 of product when I'm already seeing, I forget the numbers, but I think it was maybe 40 or 50,000, maybe $60,000 a month of supplement sales through my affiliate links. That's a 24, that's a 24 hour cookie. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and again, I'm like not even telling people really to buy them. I'm just like, Hey, this is, this is, this is what I use. It's not very good. I just don't know what's better. So there, there weren't nearly as many options Mm -hmm. back in 2014 as there are now. And, um, at least options, again, companies that I, that I trusted that because unfortunately, just because a supplement facts panel says that a product has a bunch of ingredients, maybe good ingredients, good doses. Unfortunately, that doesn't necessarily mean it's the case. You, you can work with shady manufacturers here in the United States that will claim anything actually on a, on a supplement fax panel and put none of it in there. Oh, wow. It, it happens. How do they get, I've had that. How do they get away with I've that? I've had that. They just wait until they get caught and maybe they don't get caught. Wow. That's it. It's it's not like there's um, a team of government regulators reviewing every product and lab reports and making sure that you have to get caught. And there are there there are some obviously some systems in place, some regulatory systems in place. But you can where where there's a criminal will, there is a way. You know what I mean? And because there isn't much regulation in the supplement space. Uh, I would say that's not the norm, but if you want to operate like that, you can. And I've had it happen to me. Uh, not I didn't want it to happen. There was a, a manufacturer. We wanted to set up a backup manufacturer for our multivitamin. And I told them that um, in the, with it, with this initial order, I'm going to be testing in triplicate. So I'm going to be sending three bottles off to a, a lab called Eurofins, a very big, well um, well-regarded organization and I told them just so you know I'm gonna be I'm gonna be getting these 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 products tested so I was and these this company had all the certifications but I just I just know the space yeah I didn't want to waste I didn't want to waste my time if they were gonna push back at all on me getting yeah like they they were going to provide their own lab tests but before i trusted those i wanted to work with a lab that i knew and i trusted uh, that i there's just no way eurofins is a huge multinational organization like i've worked with them before they have no interest obviously there's nothing in it for them to like um to 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 give fake reports for this for this random supplement manufacturer. Yeah. And so so they did it. They, I think they produced, I don't know, maybe 8,000, 6,000 bottles, something like that. I send it off to Eurofins. It comes back in all three cases as uh, vitamin C. Basically, that's it. That's all that was in it was just vitamin C. Wow. And, and this is a product that's supposed to have tw- at the time 22, 23, 24 vitamins and minerals, as well as 10 to 12 additional ingredients. And they gave me vitamin C pills. And it was in the contract that I could just walk away, and so I was, and, and and the CEO was was trying to tell me that Eurofins was wrong, and his random, uh, no name lab that was run by his friend that I should trust those lab reports that that showed everything was conforming. Yeah, okay, buddy, <laughs> no thanks. So so it's just a it's it, it is it is the wild west really. Yeah. And um, you have to be savvy or you can get, you can get taken advantage of. Um, so anyways, in the, in the beginning, that that's how it started is I just saw the opportunity to do things and I was like, yeah, you know, I'll get, if nothing else, I'll, I'll get some stuff that I actually like out of it. And I'm not sure that it'll, it'll catch on. I'm not sure I didn't do um, I, I'm trying to remember I didn't do much in the way of market research <laughs> or focus groups or anything. Um, simply because I maybe could have done now with what I know now in business, I I probably would have explored the potential viability a bit more, but, uh, you, you also, if you're going to, if you're going to succeed in business, you are going to have to be experimenting constantly. You are going to have to be trying things that, um, that that makes sense uh, on 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 the face of them and sometimes they pan out sometimes they don't and and i like experiments that are relatively low risk with a high potential reward and that's how i saw this is it wasn't that much work to, cause we only really launched with a couple of products. It wasn't it wasn't like this is gonna take two years of, of grinding to get the company off the ground. Mm-hmm. It was something that we were able to put together in probably four to six months or so of, not even as my full-time thing. And it was me and just a couple of other people. So we were working on Muscle for Life and books and other things. And this was also something we were working on. So four to six months and all in, I think it cost me about 120K to launch the business. Mm. And again, I knew that there's no way I I was, I was going to be out 120 K. And so, so I just, you know, said, Hey, let's just see how it goes.
0: Wow. So launching with just a few products at the time, um, what did you launch with? And also bouncing off of that, you received these uh, capsules of vitamin C back. What was your reaction to that? And did you stick with that manufacturer
1: at the time? Uh, so, so we started with a, a whey protein, a post-workout like creatine-based product, okay. and a pre-workout called Pulse. And yeah. um, so, so yeah, and and the whey is still still with us. It's changed a little bit. Mm. Um, it had it had an additional amino acid in it called leucine that I like. I like the 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 reason we we added leucine to it. But unfortunately, leucine is absolutely disgusting. I wish it tasted like another amino acid called glycine which is just naturally sweet it just tastes good but leucine is 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 so bitter it is it is awful And when you use all natural, which all of our stuff is all natural, no artificial sweeteners, uh, no artificial flavoring, no artificial food dyes. Unfortunately, natural sweeteners, natural flavoring, natural masking agents are not nearly as potent as the artificial stuff. Mm. And it's just very hard to mask that leucine. It just, unfortunately, no matter what we tried, it just didn't taste very good. Yeah. And, uh, so we ended up taking that out, but, um, that product is still with us. And even that basic material that the, the, the under the, the, the way isolate that we sourced from Ireland, we've stuck with because it's just so good. Um, pulse is still with us. And that is our best selling skew. Mm. Uh, if you look at it, of well, say family of of SKUs, right? Um, in terms of units, I believe the protein brings in more revenue because it's more expensive. Mm-hmm. But um, in terms of bottles sold, Pulse is our most popular product, and so that's been with us. and And then the the post workout was called Creatine Plus, and we relaunched that as Recharge, and the the formulation has changed a little bit uh, over the years. And to to the, to the manufacturer, I was a little bit surprised. I was also annoyed because I, I was hoping I just wanted this is one of those checkbox things like, okay, we need to make sure that we have a backup in place. And then you give like 20% of your business to your backup and you give 80% to your main. It's just something that you need to do. It's an operations thing. Mm -hmm. And we had gone through a vetting process and on paper, this company looked great. And um, so I was just annoyed. I wasn't entirely surprised Again, because I know the state of the industry, however, I was a little surprised when I had told the guy up front, like, "Don't try to fuck me, just i, I I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna send this I am gonna be sending this stuff off to a lab just so so and then he still tried like, <laughs> why, why did this guy waste his time because now he's stuck with a bunch of product, I'm not gonna pay you goodbye um and so so no that was the end of uh end of my short uh relationship with that manufacturer but fortunately fast forward that was years ago fast forward to today and we're in a good place now we have several manufacturers that we work with and um, our stuff gets gets third-party lab tested regularly and it always passes that every once in a while there there over the years there have been like a couple of genuine mistakes that manufacturers have made nothing major but like for example um, I remember one time there was, I think it was in, in one of our fat loss products, one of the ingredients, they didn't put enough in it. Mm. Um, But that was a genuine mistake and something that then they can correct. And so that's understandable. Uh, No, no malice there. And, but, but that's a big part of the supplement business and probably a big part of any business where you sell something that is manufactured is the manufacturers that you work with Uh, there for the reasons I've already given. And now with, I mean, it's not it's not just COVID, obviously, but with with global supply chains uh, in, in a in, it's almost like in in a, in a state of bedlam at this point. Um, there are manufacturers, there are supplement manufacturers, if they will even give you a quote. So, if you were new trying to get into this business right now, I would say, don't, unless you are coming into it with with connections and a lot of money, because if if you were trying to do what I did now. I don't even know if you're going to get a manufacturer to to return your phone call mm-hmm. or 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 reply to your email um saying, "Hey, can I order like $30,000 of a product?" They're they're just going to delete that. Yeah. Um and and so I have I know of manufacturers that are giving uh like 50 to 70 week lead times. Wow. But who can what is that? Who can run their business on fifty to 70? You will get product a year from now. Wow! Oh, and, and maybe not. Also, who knows? Who knows <laughs> what happens in, in the year? Honestly, um, and so that there's that's that's manufacturer A, manufacturer B, like one of my better uh, partners. I mean, they're all they're all good, but but I would say my my top performer. If we just look at the objective facts, mm-hmm. uh, like they're you know giving me. Um, eight to twelve week lead times. Mm. Same product, same materials. So, so that's uh, <laughs> that, that's that's just something to to keep in to keep in mind. I, I do get asked fairly often from people wanting to start supplement businesses, and I and I have some um, some some advice that I share not just for starting supplement businesses, but starting businesses in general. Mm. And um, I'm sorry, I forgot the question that you asked. I don't know if I'm just, uh, am I on a tangent? No, no, no,
0: you're right on it. It was pretty much just what products did you initially wa- launch with? And then we were bouncing off from the manufacturer uh, and the malfunction. Oh, that yeah, they had. yeah, right.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So, yeah, I enjoyed looking through your website and I was looking at quote, marketers and nutrition and the ease of manipulation. Um, I'm, I'm curious with that quote on the website what is legion's main form of marketing then in contrast to competitors
1: that's a good question and um i joke that i i kind of built this business um backward because if if you want to grow an e-commerce business quickly there are really two things Mm -hmm. that you need to do well Well, let's say three things the first thing is you need to have good branding it doesn't have to be outstanding but it has to be good you have to really know who you're going for like who who are your target customers and what type of aesthetic appeals to them what type of messages appeal to them and um and that's just the fundamentals if you can just execute the fundamentals of of branding fairly well you can do that. Maybe it's not going to be outstanding, but it doesn't have to be outstanding to succeed. Mm-hmm. So if you have that in place, your products look they 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 have the product they have a market fit. There is a demand there. They look the part. You as a company, you look the part. You sound the part. Uh, then then you need. Influencer marketing and paid acquisition. If you can just make those things work, you can quickly get an e-commerce business off the ground. Not to say that that's easy, um, because now you're talking about advertising in the case of paid acquisition, of course. And um, there, there are that's a whole art and science unto itself. But if you can make advertising work. Again, you don't have to be outstanding at it. You just have to be good enough. And then influencer marketing is less about advertising and more about picking the right people. And so you have recruiting systems in place and um, making sure that there is a brand fit there and picking people who have a bit of salesmanship in them. Like Legion, at Legion, we've worked with influencers who have one, literally one tenth of the following of. Other influencers who are in our stable, but generate two to three times the sales, mm. and and the the larger influencers is still worth keeping so long as the you know the numbers make sense. But often um, they're either not as good at selling, or they're not as good at kind of earning the permission to sell, so to speak. Right. Yeah. And um, so, so, but that's that's really the formula. And then, if you want to go further than that, if you really want to um, see how successful this company can be, you want to then quickly transition from e-commerce or or 100% e-commerce into retail. And so, assuming your product can sell in retail, and if it can't, you, you should know that going in. Not that that's a bad business per se, but. Retail retail is uh, still massive. It is much bigger, especially in many sectors, than online, no matter how much money you can make online. Sure. And so the formula there is you prove your concept online, you prove that your brand does resonate with uh, a large segment of a market. Um, Ideally, you would have some of your own social media accounts set up. Uh, PE people like to see that. Okay, you get followers. Your following is growing. They're engaged. You're generating sales. You have these influencers. You have ads that are working. There's a lot of potential upside there. And then you bring it to retail. And uh, if you're going to play the PE game, then that, that's what you would do. Uh, once you're ready to jump to retail, you go find a, a PE group that has the connections that you need mm-hmm. uh, for your industry and is willing to capitalize it. And and maybe maybe you get to make a little bit of money um, when they, when they buy in, depending on the the terms of the deal. But it's more it's more about that second bite at the apple if we're talking about exits and so forth. Mm-hmm. So um, I didn't do that instead i i built um a a content marketing machine and a lot of it was me and now i have other people who work with me and write articles over at legion for example um under their own names not as me And help with research for podcasts of mine. So if I want to talk about something and I feel like, man, I don't know enough about this, I'm not confident enough in my um, knowledge to, to want to give advice, then I have people who can help do some of that legwork so I can inform myself enough to be comfortable talking about it. Um, and, and also help with uh, some of the research that goes into books, but so I built a I built a, a blog that was popular. So Muscle for Life, that website I launched in 2013. By the end of 2013, it was getting six to seven hundred thousand visits a month. Wow. I've been collecting I've been collecting emails for a long time. I have six to seven hundred thousand people on my email lists, and those lists do get cleaned uh, regularly. So you know, like the the top, let's say. 25% in terms of like the, the, the most engaged component of that six to 700 K mm-hmm. the open rates are in the range of 25 to 35%. So it's that's, a very engaged. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. And if you go down to the bottom, so the least engaged people are still opening at five to 8%. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that's not that bad. Right. And, and that's, that's there, there's obviously work that goes into that. You have to, you, you do have to, um, I mean that'd be a whole nother another topic. Email marketing, <laughs> yeah. uh, something that I that I do really like, and we make millions of dollars a year from email marketing. Um, but there there are there there's quite a bit that goes into that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I started doing that early on, and um, so so working on that, working on books, which is a grind. Uh, but the payoff, I mean, it's a grind I enjoy. But you know, you go into a book project, and you have to know that it's going to take. You're going to have to consistently give it a couple of hours every day. And it's probably going to take a year before you have something that you can bring to market. Mm. Um, and and of course, so now when, when you do though, if it can do well, books have been a tremendous resource for Legion uh, because I have pitches for Legion in the books and I think they're done tastefully. And again, I'm telling people you don't need any supplements, but if you are going to take your fitness seriously, so to speak, you may want to take some supplements. And here are some supplements broadly, like a protein powder, a multivitamin, a fish oil, blah, blah, blah. And if you care, I do have my own and you can learn about them over here kind of thing. Um, And so, you know, currently I sell probably 20 to 30,000 books a month, closer to 30 right now. And so that brings a lot of people and it doesn't just bring a lot of people. It brings a lot of very, let's say qualified buyers, people who are like, I'm going to do this. I'm going in the gym and I'm, I'm following Mike's bigger than Your stronger or whatever. Mm-hmm. It also brings a lot of high caliber people because most people don't read at all. Yeah. And the, your average person who is a regular reader also tends to make more money than average. They also tend to be more educated than average. They also tend to have uh, uh, a, a more substantial network uh, than than average. They also tend to have a larger sphere of personal influence than, than average. And so I, I'm kind of pre-selecting for, let's just say, higher caliber people by having popular books. And I don't mean to to sound arrogant with that, and I'm really just stating it in a matter of fact manner, yeah. right? And um, so I, I, I did that, and and I neglected influencer marketing and paid acquisition completely, which is a complete... It's a, and retail. We're not even in retail yet, and and to- totally a mistake. Totally a mistake. Yeah. We should have pursued retail sooner, and should have gotten serious about influencer marketing way sooner. And we did try to, to make paid acquisition work, but the person at the time who was supposed to be making that work just couldn't make it work. And I should have recognized that and done something about it. And so we were just bouncing from one agency to another and they just didn't really get anywhere because many agencies they i've had I've, I've just had mostly bad experiences with agencies of all kinds the the formula seems to be promise every promise everything start to deliver and then just taper off and move on to the next client and basically just do the bare minimum to try to keep your business force you to basically say look i'm going to fire you if you guys don't change something then you change something uh, to make the client happy and then again you, you just start to drift off okay. to the net you know that, that that's not always the case like a very good agency is neil patel digital i've had a very good experience with with them mm. uh they, they 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 handle our seo and they're on top of it and they have good internal systems and they deliver on what they promise. And I pay a bit of a premium to work with them, but I'm happy to do that because I've just learned the lesson of you get what you pay for. And and there are agencies, though, that are big that I paid a lot for that still didn't deliver. So um, that's you know a long answer, but hopefully, hopefully helpful. Yeah, 100%. <laughs>
0: um, so talking about retail, um, looking at Legion today, is Legion 100% e-commerce or are you yes okay got it um in the future are you looking to get into uh retail with legion
1: absolutely i mean we are we we worked with so we're we're actively hiring for that position and we have one woman who i think is a particularly good prospect um because she's built up about a $10 million book of business with not a direct competitor, but they sell supplements. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're just not, they're not sports nutrition, more like health stuff. And, and, but she has contacts in all of the retailers that would be right for Legion, which are the specialty retailers, um, whole foods and similar higher end grocery stores that are selling sports nutrition. Um, Big box is not going to work for us. Like uh, like Walmart and Costco, because our cost of it costs us too much. I mean, they they would want products that cost twenty to twenty five dollars per bottle, and um, like my my protein powder costs me to produce and get it into someone's hands. It costs me like twenty one or twenty two dollars a bottle. Wow. <laughs> so how is that going? How is that going to yeah. work? Um, um, however, however, specialty retailers, GNC, Vitamin Shop, and there are a lot of other smaller, more regional kind of versions of that those will work just fine. Whole Foods would work just fine. Other more regional versions of Whole Foods, like uh, here in Ocala, there is something called Earth Fair. It's it's basically Whole Foods. They sell $40 to $50, $60 even bottles of in bags of sports nutrition things, right? So that would work. And um, yeah, there, there's absolutely no question that Legion can succeed in retail because um, our direct competitors are all doing just fine in retail. And we have we have huge strategic advantages over them uh, that will allow us to, uh, to 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 drive purchases to retail, and so um, that that's definitely going to happen. International distribution hasn't been pursued at all either, which is another mistake. There's a lot of uh, there are a lot of markets out there. I mean, immediately there's like the UK, there's Canada. I sell a lot of books in those places. Mm-hmm. There's Western Europe. Um, I know Middle East, even, uh, there are a lot of people in the bodybuilding in, in the Middle East mm. and, and Australia and elsewhere. So that's also something that we'll be pursuing.
0: Amazing. So I like to conclude each episode with this. If you could share one piece of advice with an aspiring entrepreneur, maybe something you've learned or regret, just anything, uh, what would
1: that be? Um, so, so I would say that, um, make sure, and this is, I'm going to share the advice that, that I share with, with people who come to me and they ask, uh, that, that basically that question Mm -hmm. and they either haven't started yet or they've started, but they haven't reached that critical mass yet, Mm -hmm. uh, where currently it is, it's, it's a job, and it's a very demanding job, and it's a job that pays less currently than a job yeah. <laughs> would would pay, right? And um, so, so there's a book that I would recommend called Profit First, and it's not it's not outstanding, but I think it is good for for new entrepreneurs to read. Um, Lean Startup would be another okay. one. And, and the, the advice is to, to make sure that you understand the economics of what you're getting into and, and to make sure that what you are thinking about doing or what you are doing has the potential to produce, um, enough of a, of a, a benefit, enough of a reward and and enough of a financial reward to make sense. So for example, and, and this may or may not be helpful to people listening and I'm not trying to talk people out of anything, but I have spoken with, with quite a few entrepreneurs again, especially newer. And they've, they have found this helpful because they've never really looked at it. Right. So um, if, if somebody uh, could, could, could make, let's say a hundred thousand dollars a year from, from their business, let's say to them, they would say, okay, that, that's a big, that's a big milestone. Um, what does it take to accomplish that? Well, your your average business, if it is producing ten percent profit, if it if ten percent of revenue is left over for for the owner, that's that's decent. That's not great, but it's not bad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, five eh, percent, not too exciting. Like if if your business is netting five percent because you're spending heavily on marketing to grow it, okay, fine. But um, if if you are trying to make sure that your business has enough profit. 5% is not very good. Many businesses though profit even less than that. Mm-hmm. And, and so, okay, so to make hundred K a year, how much does your business have to make then? Well, you might think, oh, well, okay. It needs to make a million dollars a year. Yeah, but not really, because if you want to keep growing your business, you are going to have to reinvest a portion of those profits. So if, if, um, I, I like a standard kind of best practice is if you are trying to drive growth as an owner, you should probably not be taking more than 20% of the profits. Mm. Now, if if you can, because your business is super profitable, good for you. Uh, but that may not always be the case because unless you have a huge strategic advantage that allows you to drive profitability, like a, a friend of mine um, well, uh, Neil Patel Digital. So, so Neil, who owns it, is a is a friend of mine, and I still recommend it. Uh, I actually, we became more friends after I became a client of his. Mm-hmm. Um, and his business is very profitable and growing very quickly. But he's coming into this with 20 years of business experience, contacts, capital. That's that's a bit different, right? Yeah. Like this is not his first rodeo. He knows exactly what he's doing. He recruited a lot of superstars. Blah blah blah. Right? Yeah. And, um, and so if somebody does not have all of that in place, if they, they, it's not, they're not going to be able to take all of the business's profit and continue to grow it. So let's say that this business to make the owner hundred K a year, it has to produce at least, at least 200 K a month. So probably at least $2 million a year. And that may not even exactly work out. It may need to even, even, even progress beyond that. And then looking at okay so clearly we need to it needs to be a seven figure business a year. Now if somebody were to say I would be okay with 50k a year, then all right fine they can bring their their number down to so let's say it needs to be a million dollar business a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 then you look at how many businesses make it that far. Yeah. Well, most businesses are gone within a few years and only a percentage small percentage ever even reach a million dollars a year in sales, especially consistently let alone 5 10 20 plus. And, and if people are getting into a business entrepreneurship with visions of being an Instagram try hard millionaire, um, well then you gotta, you gotta start thinking now, all right, how is your business going to produce? You want to make a million dollars a year from your business. All right. How is it going to produce 30 uh, a year? Right. Yeah. And, and so, so then you have to start thinking about what are you, what industry, what, what space are you getting into? Right. And, um, does are there other businesses that are, that are doing what you want to do? And, um, and why, why should you think that you are going to be an outlier? And that is really what we're talking about. Right. So I liken it to professional sports. I liken it to like reaching, I would say certainly reaching 50 million a year in revenue and probably anything over this is just totally subjective, but maybe anything over twenty or so million a year is is the equivalent of becoming a professional sports player. So you have uh, somebody who's getting into a sport and they make it all the way to the pros. I think in business, if you can build a business to twenty to thirty million per year in revenue or beyond, that's 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 about comparable in my mind. And and so. Can it happen? Yes, absolutely, but just like how we all knew those kids when we were growing up playing sports, who uh, were thinking they were going to go pro and who just had no idea what it actually takes mm. to make it that far, how good you actually have to be to make it to the pros in business um, it it there there are. In terms of a percentage, it may it, my my analogy may not be perfect because you may say, well, there are a higher higher percentage of you know businesses doing millions and millions a year in sales, um, than than people playing sports and making it professionally, but but maybe not. And again, I still think the analogy has merit. And so the thing is, if you're getting into it and you're like, all right, cool, I need to reach five million a year in sales to make the all the extra bullshit that comes with business worth it, mm-hmm. and it comes with bullshit. It comes with extra stress. It comes with work that you don't like. You are just gonna have to do it until you can finally delegate it. And if you are a more creative, innovative, entrepreneurial type of person, which I tend to be, um, then there are things you're always gonna have to do that you're not gonna like. There are gonna be meetings that you're gonna have to sit through and numbers you're gonna have to sift through and contracts and banks and blah, 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 maybe investors at some point, point. Sure. and you just do it. I'm not complaining, but um, a part of me would much rather just write Books and record podcasts. Maybe maybe do some video stuff. That's less interesting to me. A part of me would love to just do creative stuff Mm. and not bother with any of the business stuff at all. Yeah. (laughs) And and so many entrepreneur people are similar in that way, right? So if you're going to get into it, what you don't want is to just have a shittier job than you could have working for a business that you really like working. On the stuff that you like, not having to worry about making payroll or um, uh, servicing debt or any other things that that are that nobody enjoys <laughs> that come with, with, especially building a business. Mm. Uh, you know, if you sell something. That has a cost of goods, especially if it's an expensive cost of goods. When you start to do the math of what it takes to grow, let's say thirty to forty percent revenue per year, for example, in the in the case of Legion, um, I mean, it'll so so we'll do about twenty six million in sales this year, and I think that this is without without retail. We can we can uh, push that into the mid thirties probably next year. Yeah. Um. But because of because of how expensive. The, the products are to make, I already am now having to think with where is the few million dollars? I, I have no partners. I'm a hundred percent owner. It's been self-funded fu- um, up until now. I just have to make sure that where is that few million dollars going to come from? And that that's of course a few million dollars that I can't take for myself. Uh, if I were to say, yeah, screw the growth. Let's, let's just flatline so I can, um, you know, uh, live, live the, the, the Instagram life, yeah. um, then, then sure. But I don't want to do that. I want to continue growing the business. So, so if somebody's just getting, getting into it again, they have to look at the potential and, um, what it would take to make enough money from it to make the hassle worth it. Not that, and I do strongly believe in, I guess you could say a a sense of uh, maybe conscious capitalism and, uh, and and starting businesses and running businesses that have purposes that are greater than just making money and using them as a vehicle for uh, affecting positive change in the world and in people and creating um, better relationships. And, and, and I I believe bigly uh, in that, Mm -hmm. Um, but, but we are constrained by economics, right? And, and, we're only going to be able to do that as, as well as we can grow the business and grow it profitably. And um, so so for me personally, uh, the personal reward would probably need to be at least three to five times what I could earn working elsewhere for me to want to um, go through the, the rigmarole that comes with owning and running a business especially as it gets bigger and you have more employees and there are just more moving parts because there are a lot of really good businesses out there that already have great missions and great products and services and great people and I've learned that for me What I most enjoy is doing the creative work Mm. and working with really good people. I actually don't like quote unquote, being the boss. I don't like managing people. I like working with peers. I like Mm. working with people who don't really need to be managed. I like working with people who are going to come to me with better ideas than I can come up with and where hopefully I can contribute. But you know, that, that experience is fun to me. Managing, uh, managing, it's not just people, but you have to managing systems, business systems that allow people to um, accomplish good, the, 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 let's say the, the, the best work that they can is a, is a great skill to have. It's a very important part of building a business, but I just don't particularly enjoy it. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's just not really my thing. Right. And, and so then if we're coming back to this person who is new or just, Thinking about getting into it, I do think it's smart to uh, not not try to over plan and paralysis by analysis, but to, to to understand that this is a fertile market and there are some reasons why I, I'm, I'm, I'm being this person now. Uh, there's a lot of competition in this market. That's a good thing. There's a lot of economic activity. That's a good thing. I very much believe in this. I believe in it enough to I'm ready to work 50, 60, 70 plus hours per week actually work, maybe not forever, but, but I'm willing to do that because that's a whole other conversation. But I think that's a huge part of, especially in the beginning, you just forget about your entire life. That's it. If you can do that, forget about your social life, forget about your hobbies, take care of your health, continue to exercise, get enough sleep, but pretty much, uh, your, your waking hours outside of your exercising and eating at least 80% should just go into the business. Are right, you ready to do that? And now the key is what do you have in addition to that 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 makes you think that you are going to be able to reach that critical mass as I said to to kind of break through the the initial um, maybe gravity well that you have to that takes a lot of thrust to get through so you can at least get into low orbit mm-hmm. right and and so for me, the key there is marketing and the key there is selling if you do not like selling, and you are not good at selling, and you are not willing to really learn it. And and because that's all marketingship is, or marketing is, right? Yeah. It's salesmanship writ large. If you are not into it, and and I would I would include branding in that as well. And again, you have no interest; it does not pull you. If you have to push yourself into reading about marketing, reading that book, implementing, your chances of success go. Way way down. Um, however, if if you are, let's say, at least a decent marketer, you've had some results elsewhere, or you are very interested in it, you you feel drawn toward it. It pulls you in. Like I, I I've always liked marketing. I've read. I don't know, scores of books, I've taken courses, I continue to read, I really like copywriting, I really like persuasion, the psychology of selling. It's something I just like to learn about and that probably will never change at this point because it's been like a decade. <laughs> and and that's one of the reasons why I've been able to do uh, at least fairly well, I'd say first and foremost is I, I do know how to sell and I do know how to put, put marketing um, uh, campaigns in place that work. And, um, so then if we come back to this aspiring entrepreneur, um, an idea that has merit, a marketplace that has merit and marketing chops. Okay. Now, and, and again, the willingness to work very hard for, uh, an extended period of time, hopefully not, um, well, it depends on the ambitions. Somebody says, uh, that they, they want to become a billionaire. Um, all right. Well, of course you have to have great idea and you have to have a huge marketplace that you're, that you're waiting into. Um, and there's certainly going to be luck that is going to be required along the way, but you're also going to, if you, if you're not ready to basically do nothing but work for probably decades, um, just, just don't just pick a better goal. And, and, you know, I even say that I, I know um, I wouldn't say he's a friend, but an acquaintance who who's a billionaire and the dude's in his seventies and that's all he does is work still. It's always mm-hmm. done since, since he was, uh, he started as a, as a teenager and when he got into business and then he got into business for himself after college. But the dude for 50 plus years has done basically nothing but work. Of course there are some vacations here and there and that's what he loves to do. Yeah. My friend, Neil, my friend, Neil is that way and, um, is, for for people i know who i think are most likely to become a billionaire he would be top on the list i do think he's going to do it and uh and he just loves working and he loves business he just loves mm. it he loves winning in business he loves figuring out the next thing that's going to grow his business a little bit faster um it it's funny like that we talk about various things, uh, but but what gets him most excited always is anything related to business. <laughs> that that is that is his primary interest, and, and it's great. Awesome. It's great. Um, and and so, but but that's that's the kind of level of obsession that I've seen in the people who reach that next level of success. Um, and so so to 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 to, um, to to just to make a good living, you don't have to. I don't think it requires that kind of. Um, monomania, so to speak, mm. but you have to be willing to work hard, and it's going to take probably years to again get to that point where now you have a business in place that isn't just a job anymore. Like it's making you good money. You can step away from it here and there. You can go on that trip. You can take the weekend off, and you have systems now, and you make money while you sleep, and all that thing, mm. all that stuff. Um, and and but it starts with. It starts with with marketing chops and salesmanship. And I'll recommend one more book that is, uh, I think, relevant to all of that. And that is Ready, Fire, Aim by Michael Masterson. Mm. Uh, Very good book and goes over some of what I just discussed.
0: Amazing. Well, Mike, thank you so much for joining me. And to the listeners out there, make sure to check out Legion at legionathletics.com.
1: Yeah, Cameron, thanks for having me again.
0: Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Starting Small. If you would, leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, follow Starting Small Pod on social platforms to keep up to date on future guests.